Sup, you beautiful bastards. Hope you have a fantastic Monday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show, and let's just jump into it. And the first thing we're going to talk about today is the controversy around the Predator, which, in the context of where this story goes, is an accidental pun. So reports came out in the past week that 20th Century Fox ended up pulling a scene from the Predator. And the deleted scene reportedly featured a guy by the name of Steven Wilder Striegel. And it turns out Striegel, whose past included appearances on Days of Our Lives, Melrose Place, also included a guilty plea that resulted in him being a registered sex offender. And specifically, it was a guilty plea in 2010 around allegations that he was trying to lure a 14-year-old girl into a sexual relationship via the internet. And reportedly, he did not have a massive role in this movie. He had a short scene with Olivia Munn, but it has now been cut. A Fox spokesperson has released the statement saying, our studio was not aware of Mr. Striegel's background when he was hired, and explaining, we were not aware of his background during the casting process due to legal limitations that impede studios from running background checks on actors. However, Shane Black, the director, apparently has always known. Shane Black saying, I personally chose to help a friend, I can understand others might disapprove as his conviction was on a sensitive charge and not to be taken lightly. According to the Los Angeles Times, Black said that Striegel was, quote, caught up in a bad situation versus something lecherous. And it turns out the reason we are actually here today is because of Olivia Munn. According to reports, Olivia Munn was the first person to notify the studio. Munn also saying that she found it, quote, both surprising and unsettling that Shane Black, our director, did not share this information to the cast, crew, or Fox Studios prior to, during, or after production. And according to the LA Times, after Shane Black saw the previous story, he said, it has sadly become clear to me that I was misled by a friend I really wanted to believe was telling me the truth when he described the circumstances of his conviction. I believe strongly in giving people second chances, but sometimes you discover that chance is not as warranted as you may have hoped. And after learning about the affidavit, transcripts, and additional details surrounding Steve Striegel's sentence, I am deeply disappointed in myself. I apologize to all of those past and present I've let down by having Steve around them without giving them a voice in the decision. And the last point Black makes there is of note because he has put Striegel in more than this movie. He also cast him in the Nice Guys and Iron Man 3. And over the weekend, this story continued because we then saw interviews with Olivia Munn, who was by herself. You can't tell stories about people and then not care about people. You know, people understand that it's not an easy thing to, to be the one to speak up and, you know, does, uh, you know, there are people who get very mad at you for not just, you know, helping them bury it. It's a very lonely feeling to, to be, you know, sitting here by myself and I should be here with the rest of the cast. And according to the reporting, Olivia Munn said that castmates canceled scheduled interviews they had together. And even saying that one castmate walked out of an interview when the question came up, saying she spoke with co-stars privately, recommended that they also speak up, and adding, I was surprised that none of them did. Again, that's their prerogative. Right now, the reality is that there will be people who wear Time's Up pins and say they support Time's Up, but there will be people in Time's Up who aren't really down with the cause. Olivia Munn also tweeting, my silence will never be for sale, and if it costs me my career, they can take it. And as far as those co-stars are concerned, we're seeing some responses now. A representative for Keegan-Michael Key saying Keegan was never booked to do an interview with The Hollywood Reporter. His last interview was scheduled after lunch, which he completed, and adding that Keegan reached out to Olivia privately last week to let her know how proud he was of her and echoed that sentiment in many interviews since then. And you had Sterling K. Brown tweeting, Olivia Munn, I'm sorry you're feeling so isolated, my dear, and I'm sorry you've been the only one to speak up publicly. I was not at TIFF, so I didn't have an opportunity to be there with you. Uh, then thanking 20th Century Fox for taking quick action and deleting the scene, and thanking Olivia Munn, saying you did the right thing. 
And as of right now, that is where this story is. And as far as my personal takeaway, I say great on Olivia Munn. And as far as Shane Black's apology, it just feels so weird and off. I believe in second chances, but I was also misled. And here's the thing, I'm semi-open to the idea of someone being in your blind spot. But you're telling me you have this person that's like, you know what, I have this past, I'm technically a registered sex offender, but it's not what it sounds like. And then you were like, well, that seems legitimate. I guess I should not look into this any further and include this person in multiple movies and include them around a ton of other people, connecting them to my reputation. If true, that seems like a very special kind of stupid. Because by the way, Strigel's version of events is, quote, that he engaged in an email relationship with a 14-year-old girl who was one of his distant relatives, adding because she was troubled, he tried to boost her self-esteem and made the very bad judgment call of telling her in these emails that she was attractive and sexy and not a failure, etc. And so for that, he pled guilty and served six months in jail. But if he had actually looked into it, according to the arrest warrant, Striegel told the girl that there was no one in the world he would rather have sex with. I will be very honest. There's no question that it's you, none. And that's without diving deeper into the more disturbing parts of the correspondence. The main point, I have to give credit where it is due, and Olivia Munn speaking up, I know that it sounds like it's the least someone could do. But with that said, it's important to note how much time passed from her doing this and anyone else speaking up whatsoever. Then, as promised, let's quickly talk about Nike. I said that, you know, as far as this being a win or a loss for Nike, we need to see, you know, the short term, the, the initial reaction, the one week, the several months out. And as of right now, it appears to be trending somewhat positive. According to a morning console poll, which was taken from the 4th to the 5th, right after this big release and controversy, the favorability rating for Nike took a massive hit, going from a 69% net favorable to a 35% net favorable. Initially, we also saw Nike stock drop 3%. But on the other side of this, according to Edison Trends, between Labor Day and last Wednesday, Nike online sales increased 31%. Additionally, as of recording this video, Nike stock is back to where it was pre-controversy. And in the midst of all of this, according to Apex Media, Nike has benefited to the tune of $43 million in free promotion from all of this. And so, as of right now, things are looking pretty good for Nike, but like I said, there's the in the moment, the one week out, and then several months from now. You had people in the short term wanting to show that they supported Nike, so they were probably purchasing more product. The people that were angry about this and tweeting about their boycott most likely inadvertently also promoted it to people that wanted to support the brand. Additionally, those people that were destroying their own products, that is not going to result in fewer sales. But down the road, the people saying that they're going to boycott or just not deal with this company anymore, we might see a sales change in the future. But ultimately, we're just going to have to wait to see what happens in the long term. But from that, I wanna share some stuff I love today and today in awesome brought to you by Squarespace whether you need a domain a website an online store make it with Squarespace and it's just so easy to create a beautiful website with Squarespace's all-in-one platform you've got nothing to install patch or upgrade ever and you can use their fantastic templates each of which is a fantastic starting point for a wide range of projects and so if you want to make the smart move like many from the nation already have you want to start your free trial today just go to squarespace.com slash and enter in offer code Phil when you love it to get 10% off your first purchase and the first bit of awesome today is for the lovers and the haters or the ironic haters. Today at shopdefranco.com or you can just click the links down below if you buy a I hate Philip DeFranco or a DeFranco 2024 tee in the next 36 hours, you use code Phil. You'll get 10% off your purchase. Then we have the fantastic Glam and Gore doing a, an upside down video. She's she's probably one of my favorite quote unquote uh, makeup channels because Mikey really supersedes the 
idea of regular makeup channel and it's just really unique. We had Life Nog and asking, what if you never washed your hands? We had Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively answering the web's most searched questions. We had Bill Murray as Aquaman. And if you wanna see the full versions of everything I just shared, the secret link of the day, really anything at all, links as always are in the description down below. And then let's talk about something that was heavily requested from over the weekend and that is the passing of 26 year old Mac Miller. On Friday afternoon, we saw TMZ report that Miller, real name Malcolm McCormick, had died of an accidental overdose. And a statement from Miller's family did confirm the death, but not the cause. That said, Mac Miller had really been open about his struggles with addiction in the past. And following this news, there were many different reactions, many people heartbroken and angry. Some like AC Slater tweeting, look out for your friends, because it can be a fine line between just partying and this. A Cole writing, this is a message for anybody in this game that's going through something. If you don't feel right, if you feel you have a substance problem, if you need an ear to vent to, if you're uncomfortable talking to people around you, please reach out to me. But then on the angry note, we saw a lot of people sending hate Ariana Grande's way. They used to date, many people blaming Ariana Grande for this death. People saying it's crazy because you really did kill him, you did an evil thing. Another comment writing, you should stay with him if he had some problem as his girlfriend just saying. But at the same time, there was a lot of pushback against all of that hate. People saying, recognize the true problem here rather than using someone else's a scapegoat and continuing the cycle. Another writing, what you guys aren't gonna do is blame Ariana Grande for his addiction when he was struggling with it before they even started dating. Addiction is a horrible illness and hard to beat, so instead of trying to judge slash blame everyone for it, try to help slash understand people struggling with it. We also saw a lot of attention and some hate thrown Tana Mojo's way. And the reason for this is she posted what appears to be text messages between she and Mac Miller. And the caption she included said, Malcolm James, I loved you. You made me feel something. You were sweet to me every second. Adding, I wanted to come over last night. My soul is shattered. And following this, you had people saying it appeared that she was trying to make this all about her. People saying, why are you posting this private message? Saying you could have gone over last night, kissed him again. Especially because in that same 36 hour window, she had just been making out with someone at the Pornhub Awards. And ultimately she later ended up changing the caption, do I love you, Malcolm, I love you. And posting a series of tweets apologizing for her original tribute. Saying I want to apologize to anyone that was upset by my post or took it the wrong way. Also adding that there was no affair or any of those crazy allegations. Just someone I spent all of my time for a while lately consumed with talking to and loving. And here's the thing with that situation, I'm not even gonna dive deeper into the rest of her apology or anything. I don't I don't want there to be kind of more hate from this situation. I also don't wanna personally criticize someone's reaction to a loss because we all react in different ways. And so where I want to end this specific piece is kind of, kind of on two notes. One, regarding Mac Miller, I will always personally be thankful that he was a person that existed. I did not know him personally, but his song, Smile Back, was one of the only things that gave me that kind of stand up and don't let life beat you down energy at some of my darkest times. And two, I want to leave this story on, on a note that, that Childish Gambino, Donald Glover, hits on when he was talking about Mac Miller after he passed. When speaking about Mac, he said, we should be allowed to be sad about that. My heart was broken and I feel good about being sad. It tells me that he was special. Everybody deserves that. You are nobody's narrative. Sometimes people struggle with that because people tell you who you are on the internet. They'll make a narrative about you, but you're all too complex to be a narrative. But if I could also tag along another sentiment that, that seems to go against what he's saying there, but really plays with what he's saying there is something that is not unique. That's personal struggle. Those feelings of being alone, loss, trying to overcome something that sometimes feels impossible to get past, that's actually connective tissue to so many other people. And I'm not going to say I know your particular struggle and I've gone through what you have. I don't. I can only really pull from my own struggle, my own life experience, that of friends and family that have let me in when I ask to help. So that's why if you're going through something, you are in crisis, you want to change things up, I'm going to link uh, down below to resources to help with that. Getting help, reaching out, that does not 
make you weak, and fuck anyone else that perpetuates that ridiculous idea. And that's the note that I want to end this specific story on. And then let's talk about this really troubling situation out of Dallas, Texas. This past Thursday, Dallas police officer Amber Geiger was returning home from a 15-hour shift. She lives in Southside Flats, which is a four-story apartment complex. She was in uniform when she reached for the front door and she put her key in to find that it was already unlocked. And reportedly, when she opened the door, the lights in the apartment were off and Geiger saw a figure. Thinking that it was a burglar, Geiger pulled out her gun, she fired twice, and when she turned on the light, she realized that she was in the wrong apartment and she had just shot 26-year-old Botham Shamjan two times in the chest in his own apartment. Reportedly, Geiger then called 911, and according to officers, she said, I thought it was my apartment, saying, I'm so sorry. We also had video taken by someone in the apartment complex showing Geiger pacing and crying with a phone up to her ear after the shooting. Video also showing paramedics trying to revive Jean on a stretcher, but ultimately Jean was taken to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. Now, the exact reason for her alleged mistake has not been officially announced by police, but according to Dallas Mayor Mike Rawlings and various police sources, Geiger actually parked on the wrong floor. Instead of parking on the third floor where her apartment is, she parked on the fourth. And reportedly, these floors all look the same except for two differentiating factors. One, the number next to the actual door, and two, the color of the mat in front of the door. And as far as any other potential factors in this story, one, reportedly Geiger and Jean did not know each other, and two, Geiger's blood was taken at the scene to test for alcohol and drugs. Now, after the shooting on Friday, Dallas Police Chief Renee Hall said that the Dallas Police were seeking an arrest warrant for Geiger and that they were calling into the Texas Rangers to investigate the incident. Then, on Saturday, when no arrest had taken place yet, Hall explained during a criminal justice panel that the Rangers had asked for some time to investigate before that step was taken. We have since turned that investigation over to the Texas Rangers because we truly want to be transparent. In that process, the Texas Rangers had an opportunity to interview the officer. Based on that interview, they asked us to hold off on the warrant until they had an opportunity to investigate some of the information that was provided during that interview. And following this, we saw many saying that this was unjust, saying that Geiger was getting special treatment. How many other people could shoot someone else, kill them in their own home, and not be immediately arrested? We also saw Jean's family attorney, Lee Merritt, calling for an arrest to be made. We're not asking for law enforcement uh, to convict this person or deny them their right to due process, but we're asking that they be treated as any other citizen uh, where there is evidence that they committed a crime be treated, and that is for a warrant to issue and for an arrest be made. And so we're calling on the Rangers and on the district attorney's office at this time uh, to make that happen in, in, in swiftly. And ultimately, we saw on Sunday, Geiger was arrested for manslaughter and has since been released after posting a $300,000 bond. And following all of this, I, I have a few thoughts, though. The first thing, of course, is we need to see what actually comes back from her blood test. But if I was related to this man that was killed, I would be furious. I'm open to the general narrative that this is just a horrible, horrible accident. But how do you not arrest someone who went into someone else's home, thus trespassing, and the person who is trespassing shot and killed the person in that home? In my opinion, that is insanity. I think that the charges of manslaughter, that makes sense, but how she was not arrested for three days, that is ridiculous. But of course, this is the PDS. That's the news, my personal takeaway, and I pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts around this? Do you believe this is special treatment for a law enforcement officer? Do you believe the story as is? Additionally, because of this, do you think there's going to be a larger conversation around shift length? As I mentioned at the beginning of the story, she was reportedly finishing a 15-hour shift, which if you're extremely tired, that's most likely going to impair your judgment and you have a lethal weapon on you. Any and all thoughts appreciated because I'd love to have a conversation around this. And that's where we're going to end today's show. But of course, remember, I want this show to also be a conversation. So whether it be the last story, the first one, anything in between, let me know what you're thinking in those comments down below. And also, while you're at it, if you like these daily dives into the news, hit that like button. If you're new here, hit that subscribe button. 
But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces and I'll see you tomorrow.